us here. Week one of the NFL season. Get up off of your feet right now. Let's go. I can barely contain myself Thursday night. Bears, Packers, Sunday, an inordinate amount of games. Two games on Monday night. The NFL season has arrived. I was going to do all this woe stuff, and I don't even care anymore. <laughs> it's not the off it's season getting, anymore. It's not. It's the season. It's the season. Uh, the... I'm going to say that we are recording this Tuesday at 2.30, and I say that because I don't know what's happening with Zeke right now. Mm-hmm. So I'm not sure if the Zeke deal is going to get done today, if get done tomorrow. Uh, we got Florio out here tweeting out unconfirmed stories, which is just a beautiful thing. The one thing I do have confirmed, ditch the playbook, hashtag D the P, Starts on Wednesday. Episode comes out at 11, and it's going to be Muhammad Sanu. How many quarterbacks can he throw farther than? Very excited. Ingber and I, you're happy with it? I'm so happy with it. My, my question to you, when we showed up to the episode, how many did you think he could throw farther than of the 32 starting quarterbacks? Well, let's not give away the actual answer, but right. what did you think he could do? 16. Yeah, you would have been happy if he was half if he made it halfway through. So you'll have to tune in to see what he actually did. So here's what I want to do. I want to take over social. So here's what I need. If you're listening this Wednesday morning, get ready. If you listen to this podcast Wednesday night, jump on in. Mm -hmm. What I want you guys to do is I'm going to tweet it out. Bleach Report's going to tweet it out. If you do it for mine, I'll definitely see it. Retweet it. With the phrase, this episode is so good that, and then write something in there. Oh, I like this. If you do that, I am retweeting it 100%. So if you retweet my tweet that said, that, here's this new episode with, this episode is so good that, and then have something funny, I'm retweeting all of them. Right. I want this to spread. Uh, it's going to be... We're going to have an episode this week, an episode next week, and then after that, it's going to be every other week, and we are seven of eight shot, mm-hmm. and they're all awesome. By the I'm way, really happy with all of them. Guys. For the, the tweets that are, they're so good that X, you're still going to read them before you retweet them. It's not a bot that you've got, because then that's oh, when like no, the weird no. vulgar stuff starts happening. No, oh, no. It's only like for like actual And you could toe the line. You could toe <laughs> the line. Come right up to the line. Yeah, come right but up to the line. Left go the human with an actual human brain. Yeah. We'll be reading these things and then deciding to and if there are can't some, game the system. And if there are some that make me laugh out loud, I'm going to read them on next week's podcast. Mm. Everything is together. I don't know if you guys have noticed this, but like Ditch the Playbook. Uh, I mean, I want to give a, another shout out uh, for helping out with Ditch the Playbook. Uh, his name is Vincent. Uh, I just want to get his name definitely correct. Hold on one second. Vincent Wajaya. He has done, he did the artwork on the social before about me and Bart and uh, Ernie and Charles sitting on the couch. Shout out to this dude. Uh, I posted it on the uh, Lefko show Instagram. People that help out this show, I want to help you guys out. So uh, Rod Simba, we're going to have new music from Rod Simba coming up on Thursday, excuse me, on Friday, which is going to be the first Warren Sharp betting podcast. I have a theme song that Rod Simba made for Warren that Warren hasn't heard yet, and it's awesome. I almost want to play it for you guys now. But I don't want Warren to hear it, so we're going to save it for Friday. By the way, 
We are likely going to be having another co-host starting next week for Monday and Wednesday. Candidly, a lot of contract stuff, way above my pay grade. I don't know what's going on. I just want it to happen already. But we got Warren, and all signs are pointing to having another person on uh, next week. So excited. But thank you guys for your support as always. Um, I want to give a shout-out now. I'm going to do a little video. Uh, This is William E. Zell, who is running our fantasy league. I made him a deal. Here's here's what I always say to the homies, the 33%. You guys give me stuff, I'll give you stuff back. Because it's it's fair and it's not going to say balanced. (laughs) But uh, this is uh, the commissioner of the LFGO. L, the Left Go Fantasy Gridiron League, uh, the Let's Fucking Go League. He said, I want to do weekly updates. I said, all right, man, I got you. So here is the first weekly LFGL update from William Ezel. What's up, homies? I'm your commissioner, William Ezel, or just Ezel for short, or Ouija 2, or Super Saints fan, or whatever Left Coast calling me this week. And I just want to shout out all 1,104 of you for making this possible. You made my job as easy as it could have been and made all the traffic smooth. But the real homie goes out to Bricks008, who drafted six quarterbacks, no running backs, and is still projected fifth in the league. You're the fantasy homie of the week. Good luck to everyone in week one, and may your expectations go super high so on week four and your one and three, they go crashing down. Good luck in week one. Awesome job, Ezel. Plus video. So that's he's going to highlight the fantasy homie of the week. I don't know if that's going to be every week or just this week, but bold strategy, Cotton. Six quarterbacks, no running backs. Look, I mean, if those first five quarterbacks get injured, he's going to look like a genius. Oh, he's going to feel great. I want to know who the quarterbacks were. I also want to know if he went first six picks in his league. Had to have been. And if in the draft you're like, oh, he went Mahomes first. All right, a little risky, but I get it. Deshaun Watson's second. Second round, huh? Aaron Ryan. And then, <laughs> yeah, and then yeah. I wonder if the other people in his league were like, I need to get a quarterback right now or else this guy Baxter is going to take all of them. I love it. Awesome job. Ezel. Uh 1104. So awesome. Unbelievable. Uh, That's like yeah. a significant portion of the U S population at that point. I mean, it feels like all of them and any of them probably could have been a better GM than the Houston Texans. <laughs> What a weekend. Uh, this was a lot of roster formation. So we're, I'm going to be breaking down uh, with Warren all most of the games, if not all of the games, against the spread. I'm going to be making my super contest bets. Uh, Friday is going to be the big betting episode. At the end of this episode, I am going to be making my Bears-Packers pick because I do want you guys to have that before Thursday night. And then Warren can kind of... He'll, he'll comment because we're going to be recording before that game, but I'll break down that game. But roster formation this past weekend with waivers, cuts, trades, all of that, it shows you a lot of where teams are. And I have some nuggets and notes, but he, easily, hands down, the Texans stole the weekend with all of their moves. The first move that happened, Seattle traded for Jadavian Clowney. Mm-hmm. And... I want to break this down seriously first, just because um, the trade was Seattle got Jadavian Clowney, Texans got Barkevius Mingo, Jacob Martin, and a third-round pick in next year's draft. Jadavian Clowney was interviewed later and said, actually, this during this offseason, he was talking to Dwayne Brown, now Seattle left tackle, former Texans offensive tackle, and pretty much said, you know, what's it like up in Seattle? Heard it was great and was like, I'm going to try and get up there. 
my first thought went, that's some NBA shit right there. Mm-hmm. That's some NBA stuff where like NFL players, if we start getting to this point where we're right before hold or during a holdout or right before that franchise tag and you start communicating with the other guys, it's an interesting movement there. It's like Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving at last year's All-Star game just like got caught on cameras in the hallway like, let's do this. Let's just get together, man. We got this. We're the two guys that are going to lead it to the future. Thousand percent. Second thing I thought was, does this fuck me over for my Seahawks not making the playoffs pick? And so I went, I looked at the Seahawks roster and right now it is so insanely necessary what they needed. Remember in their first six weeks, they, four of the teams are Pittsburgh, New Orleans, Rams, Browns, offense, 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 offense. And they were coming into the year with Jerron Reed suspended Ziggy Anson, LJ Collier banged up and Puna Ford. This was not a luxury for Seattle. They had to get this guy. Mm -hmm. All reports are that Clowney's in the best shape of his life, which, whoa, (laughs) big first week. I think that this is very big for the Seahawks for sort of buying time early in the season for when Jerron Reed and everybody comes back. This is a huge trade for, for this also because I look at their secondary right now and I'm not that confident in their secondary, but I look at the the Seahawks and I still have them right on the fringe. It was not enough for me to put them in. I will say, having looked at the rosters, the two teams that I have in the NFC playoffs that I feel the least confident in are the Rams and the Packers. This, to me, brings the Seahawks a lot closer to the Rams. I'll get into my roster building later, but I looked at the Rams and I I was so surprised at how shallow they are. They are not deep at all. When you get to the Rams, if they start getting big injuries to people, they're going to be in trouble. Seahawks get big depth. Not in my playoff picture right now, but I think it's a huge move for the Seahawks. to. This might be a one-game push to get them in the playoffs later. I'll talk about the Texans after that. Uh, the Seahawks, just so you know, Vegas does agree with you. There's a little bump in their Super oh, yeah. Bowl what odds. Was the bump? Uh, it went from 30 to one to drum roll, please. I'm going to say 26 to one, 28 to one. So not much of a difference, but there clearly was a little bit of betting movement in there that some folks in Vegas were saying, Hey, you know what? Let me throw a little flyer on the Seahawks. They just beefed up their defense a little bit. Absolutely. And it, it makes sense to me because, um, I think that for the first time in a while, I actually kind of like the offensive line of the Seahawks, and I believe all of the the quotes about Brian Schottenheimer throwing the running backs more, and Warren will be able to comment that later. My fear for them is it's Tyler Lockett and a bunch of rookies and people that I've never heard of at wide receiver. Yeah, losing Doug Baldwin was actually a a bigger deal than I think people are talking about. Enormous. Huge, Huge safety blanket type receiver for him. And I know that people were feeling their defense, but I'm not that certain on them yet. Then it got crazy. Then the Texans start dealing with the Dolphins, and they trade for Laramie Tunsil. I am actually a big-time fan of this. 
I am. For, who, for which team? Perspective. Okay, yeah. Really from both perspectives. Well, they picked up a franchise left tackle, and I'm I'm not a huge, like, know-everything-about-the-trenches type of football player, so I really looked into Laramie Tunsil here. Laramie Tunsil here. He's played 45 of his 48 possible games in his career. Uh, he's 25 years old, making him one of only two players under the age of 28 in terms of the top 10 left tackles as, yes. as graded by Madden this year, which, you know, is as good of a metric as anything. <laughs> sure. Uh, this is, this guy could easily, and some of the guys that are in the top 10, we're talking like the Joe Staley's type, yeah. they're 35, 37 years old. Within three or four years, Laramie Tunsil might be a top three left tackle in the game, which is arguably the most important position when you got a franchise quarterback like Deshaun Watson. Also, when you factor in that Deshaun Watson has been hit an insane amount of times, when you factor in the fact that Deshaun Watson had rib and lung injuries last year and had to travel to Jacksonville on bus because he couldn't fly. That's how banged up he was. Right. When you factor in that their offensive line, according to Brandon Thorne, was 31st in the NFL and you just saw your AFC South enemy, Andrew Luck, retire at 29. What they did was by bringing in Laramie Tunsil, you have Laramie Tunsil, your left tackle of the future. Now, they're going to have to pay him an amount of money that's obscene hmm. because he owns all of the cards in that negotiation. You just went out and you drafted Titus Howard and Max Sharping, and I expect them to play a lot at guard. You now have a young, up-and-coming, with-talent offensive line. You also, in that trade for the Texans, get Kenny Stills, who... I don't know if you guys have been paying attention. Their slot their slot wide receiver, Kiki Kuti, very talented, has been hurt off and on for his entire career right now. So now you have Hopkins, Fuller, Stills, in my mind up there for top top seven, might even be top five. In terms of receiver in trios. In terms of wide receiver trios in the NFL. Uh, the tr- they also trade for Carlos Hyde. What I realize, though is Bill O'Brien is on the hot seat. He's on the hot seat for a number of reasons. One, he's on the hot seat because I don't think they've been that successful. He's on the hot seat, too, because he's going to be getting a new GM next year, and the GM is going to come in and going to go, I have to reevaluate everything. But also, he's an offensive mind. So what did he do? Bill O'Brien sold his one of his best offensive players to get better on offense. Mm-hmm. The Houston Texans, I was already thinking they were going to have to be a shootout team this year because when you look at who they've lost, they lost Honey Badger at safety. They let Kareem Jackson go in free agency. Now they trade Jadavian Clowney. I mean, that's three of their best. I would argue that they're right up there with J.J. Watt because J.J. Watt with his injuries and his age. Mm -hmm. So now I look at the Texans. One, I'm betting the over on every Texans game this year, especially for the first few weeks. Oh, yeah, 35-30. I think that's what they're they're aiming for those types of games. But to me, this is Bill O'Brien putting Romeo Cronell on the hot seat and going, hey, new GM, we had a top five offense in the NFL last year. Granted, our bottom, our defense was bottom five, but that's Romeo Cronell, and maybe we just get a new defensive coordinator. And he's just hoping that in those postseason negotiations, people will have forgotten what, what the reasons were for that they defense always suffering. forget. Yeah. Because what happens is at the end of the year, we go, well, they were second in offense last year. 
Yeah, well, well, what the? And Bill O'Brien's the one making all these calls, and it's clear he is because he has no regard for the salary cap. To cut Matt Khalil and just eat two and a half million dollars to trade Jadevian Clowney and still pay seven million dollars, I don't know what's going on right now in that front office. It's a question that everybody's asking. Right, but uh, this again, if we're going to go cross sport analogies. This happens with basketball all the time, where some GM makes a hail mary type move, and they say, if it works out, I'm a genius. If it doesn't work out, I'm not going to be here. Exactly. I'm going to get fired when these picks come to fruition. You know, when we traded like you know the picks in 2021 and 2023 and 2025, I will be long gone by all that time. And <laughs> the schmuck that takes over my job, he'll clean up that mess. <laughs> I'll go the be Brooklyn Nets. And yeah, Billy King. Exactly. I'll yes. be the athletic director at like Notre Dame by then. Who cares? So I said that I love the trade for Laramie Tunsil. I, look, anytime you give up two first round picks, I do not love it. Anytime you trade for a franchise left tackle that's coming up on a contract year and you don't have a new deal done, I don't love it. But the idea of protecting Deshaun Watson and and the thing is, is Miami's in full tank, full tank. And so for them to have two first round picks extra the next two years, they've made a number of trades this offseason. I support the Dolphins going full Sixers. I support the Dolphins going full process. They don't have a quarterback. Do exactly what the Browns did. Fill all of the roster spots around him. Maybe not even draft two of this year. Maybe draft your quarterback in two years like the Browns did, Mm -hmm. where they went had that one Deshaun Kaiser year, but it was really to draft more really good guys for when you eventually draft Baker. Be smart. Be smart. I get it. But from the Texans, I do like aligning a 25-year-old franchise tackle and like a 23-year-old Deshaun Watson and having those guys set for life. Because Hopkins is your guy. I get it. But it really looks like to me that Bill O'Brien is selling his defense down the river so that when the new GM comes in, likely Nick Casario, he can go, but my offense was great. My offense was killing my it out there. offense was amazing. Because when Deshaun Watson, those pockets, when he's been healthy and been relatively protected, the team puts up points. Oh, puts up points. I mean, that he's just he's a guy that when he's when he's in his groove, he's putting up points along the lines of the Matt Ryans and the Drew Breeses and anyone else that you'd want in the league. And just a quick reminder, another reason why I'm going to be betting the over in almost every Houston Texans game until Vegas realizes. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say the lines will catch up. The Texans face the 11th softest pass defense. So now he's got a left tackle even more safe. Yep. And they face the third toughest offenses all year. So that team that just traded up Jadavian Clowney, and I'm telling you, I'm looking at their linebackers and stuff, bro, it's, it's, it's a bunch of rookies, and they're going to have to play Barkevius Mingo and Jacob Martin. Mm-hmm. Like, they had to trade also for Keon Kasson at corner. Th- this, this Texan defense is going down, and that offense is going up. The big question that everyone is wondering is what the hell was happening, though, in the front office in Houston? And what's pretty incredible is, David, you actually got a hold of some phone transcripts? Yeah, there are some sources out there. Uh, you know, when I started working here at Bleacher Report, you know, I got in touch with some folks and like got some Due contacts around. Yeah, sure. and it got some contacts around the league. And once in a while, people will send me some 
you know, some pretty like juicy nuggets of information. This is the juiciest one we've gotten so far. Yeah, this isn't even just words. This is this is audio. This is the actual right. This is the actual phone call uh, between interim GM of the Texans, uh, uh, Chris Olson, yeah. and Schneider from from Seattle. John Schneider. John Schneider, the uh, the GM of Seattle. All right, let's uh, let's let's take a listen. Okay. Hello, Houston Texans interim general manager slash parking lot attendant Chris Olson speaking. How can I help you? Uh, hey, it's uh, John Snyder. I didn't realize you answered your own phone. I literally just Googled front office phone number for the Texans. <laughs> yeah, we're short staffed these days. Yeah, my, my assistant and my intern actually both just got hired by the Patriots. <laughs> it's been a wild summer. Man, okay. Well, um, while I got you, Chris, I was wondering if we could talk a trade for Jadavian Clowney. What? I, I, I trade. What do you What do you mean? I, I don't think I'm authorized to make those kinds of decisions. <laughs> what a kind of decisions? You mean trades? Aren't you the GM? Yes, technically, but I generally manage uh, the vending machines, not the team. Coach Bill doesn't let me doesn't let me near the roster. <laughs> okay. Uh, well, then let me ask you this: Would you rather have two really good players or one really good player? Well, when you phrase it like that, two, I guess, would... Exactly. And what if you only had to pay half of his salary? Oh, well, that sounds like one hell of a deal. (laughs) But we have to do it fast because I do have to go gas up the team bus. Oh, God, I feel so alive right now, making trades, adding red vines to the vending machines. I want to make more trades! Hello, it's Chris Olson. Yeah, we'll, we'll literally trade anything for your best player. Who is this? Hey, it's uh, Chris Greer from the Dolphins. We're looking to shop Laramie Tunsil. Great. How's 40 first-round picks and my first child? No, all my children. And Deshaun Watson's unborn children. And my second-round picks. Okay, I was going to ask for a salary cap relief, but sure. Let's do it. I'm drunk with power! And that is Inside the Tech. I don't know how you got that footage. Look, I'm just so glad it was from an anonymous. It was anonymous Texans fan. It's so weird how much I sound like John Schneider and uh, Chris Greer. Yeah, it's weird. And people have pointed out that I sound like interim GM Chris Olsen. Yeah. I I didn't hear it before, but now just having heard that, it's it's actually uncanny. That's pretty unbelievable. But anyway, if you guys work for the teams out there, we're hopefully, we'd love to air more of these types of phone calls throughout the season. So if you have more stuff like this, just email it to me. Yeah, email, email. We're always looking for sources. We're always looking for moles. Uh, so this is a full uh, an advertisement for that. Uh, I will say this about the Texan situation. Um, it is four guys. That dude is the interim GM. But I do think the interesting thing is, is there was this guy that came from the Patriots to the Texans. Uh, he was also like the team chaplain, Jack Easterby. This is what I'm talking about. These these multi-slash hyphenates, like the Cordell Stewart of the front office. Okay, so <laughs> of the four characters, and I compare them to succession, I think I've talked about it before. Jack Easterby was the character coach for the Patriots. When they went through their Aaron Hernandez stuff, right. he was the one dealing with all the players. When they were going through the, and apparently the final straw was the Robert Kraft massage parlor thing. That's when he quit and went to the Texans. But here's what's interesting about old Jack Easterby. People describe him as power hungry. People say that he started off as just a guy that would listen to Bill and started working his way up. Like he is like kind of Tom from Succession. Almost. Oh, yeah. You didn't th- think much of him in season one, but all of a and sudden. All of a sudden he starts getting power. And so the interesting thing with this Jack Easterby guy is he's making a run at this GM thing. Ah. He was the guy, the character coach that would also a former team chaplain, like just 
Doesn't this sound weird? That like, can't possibly be a normal trajectory for front office no. guys to go from team chaplain but he slash character guy. Every important person. He's a little bit like in Silicon Valley, the guy that helps out. Um, like the weird chakra guy. Oh, sure, the guru. Yeah. Yes, the guru. He just he he hitches himself to the right wagon, and all but of a he sudden, too he's is in like, a I would like to be the general manager, and like, what the hell? That's this Jack Easterby guy. He's one of the four. I, I think everyone out there listening that's in the workforce right now can point to at least three people that they do or have worked with who doesn't deserve the immense amount of success, but they happen to be friends with the right person yes. at the right time, and you're yes. like, yeah, I guess this happens in NFL front offices too. By you the know. way, you know who the Texans face in Week One? with this new decimated defense? Uh, I just looked it up. Who is it? At New Orleans on Monday Night Football. Because Drew Brees and Sean Payton are going to take it easy on them. Mm-hmm. Just saying. Yeah, yeah. They're Could not be- pissed off. They didn't spend the offseason trying to think, like, how are we going to hang up 50 points in our opener? Yes. So that'll be very interesting. Other news and notes just to the weekend. Uh, LaShawn McCoy goes to the Chiefs. Uh, if you have Damian Williams, you are in fantasy. You're pissed. I have Darwin Thompson, and I'm pissed. But it's it's going to be a three-headed backfield football-wise. Sammy Watkins, Tyree Kill, McCole Hardman, Travis Kelsey, um, Robinson, now LaShawn McCoy, Damian Williams, Patrick (laughs) Mahomes. The Chiefs offense is going to be unbelievable. There's just a lot of touchdowns up for grabs. It's from fantasy. You... You're kind of hoping people get hurt. We will never hope that that happens. It's almost like, for, from a fantasy perspective, it's almost like too many guys. That's it, exactly what it is. Yeah, it, it's like, obviously, we we know Travis Kelsey is pretty much the consensus number one tight end. But if you're going to... Kelsey and Hill are safe. But if you had any of those running backs, their value just plummeted. Yeah, you just have no idea who's going to get the red zone touches. Sammy Watkins, all of those guys go down a notch. But Hill and Kelsey are untouchables. Mm-hmm. But for them as a, as a football team... I had a lot of questions about Damian Williams. Look, he was great in the playoffs. He has never had sustained success uh, for a long period of time. Darwin Thompson is an exciting rookie, but LaShawn McCoy is a legitimate veteran that has experience. And if they, if either of them get hurt, now it's a solid backup. And, and I think it's an unbelievable pickup. They paid good money for him. I think the other news that came out that people weren't talking about, their main competition was the Chargers. They were which, like, we got to get LaShawn in order to keep him from the Chargers as much as we want him on our own roster. Not even that. I thought it also opened this. The Chargers came out this weekend and said, Melvin Gordon, you're allowed to look for a trade. I see. Wow, this is some Machiavellian stuff. The Melvin, they also came out and said, under no circumstance will we give Melvin Gordon a new contract. But they were trying to get LaShawn McCoy. Right. So while the Chargers are going out and saying, we are more than willing to go into this season with Austin Eckler and Justin Jackson, they were knocking down the door of LaShawn McCoy to try and get him there. So the Chiefs offered him $4 million guaranteed. The Chargers don't get him. And I'm just sitting here going, man, I'm, I am now, other than the fact that I don't have the Chargers making the playoffs, I am rooting on the Chargers offense to start slow. 
because I, I want th- I, Melvin Gordon has no leverage mm-hmm. at all. The only leverage he can get is if the Chargers start slow. And I just found it very interesting that they felt the need to go after LaShawn McCoy. Right. And it's, it's a lot. It's a lot easier to say, like, hey, we don't need you, Melvin Gordon, if we've got Shady McCoy in our back. The field. only other nugget that I'll get that I'll give because people will forget head coach of the Chargers is Anthony Lynn. One of LaShawn McCoy's best years ever was when Anthony Lynn was the offensive coordinator for the Bills two years ago. Mm-hmm. And that was what got Anthony Lynn the job. So that's the only the only other reason they have a connection there is LaShawn was choosing between his former OC and his former head coach, Andy Reid. Right. But I still think it's very telling. And speaking of the Bills, uh, if you picked up Devin Singletary at the end of your uh, fantasy yeah. draft, as I did, I had no idea this was going to be this much of a boon this early. But I feel like we've talked about this in the podcast before. I'm a big believer in preseason of not your productivity, but the assignments that you get. And I yeah. felt like the Bills were putting Devin Singletary in position to say you might be part of our offense here and the fact that they were willing to part with LaShawn McCoy this early on before the season even starts they might be saying Devin Singletary could be part of our offense a major part of our offense this whole year I'm going to rain on your fantasy parade really great quick. do it I want to feel like shit I have a feeling that it's going to be <laughs> a lot of Frank Gore early because that's when you get Frank Gore at his medium and then it goes away. My only concern about Devin Singletary is TJ Yeldon is still in the roster. And I'm curious because TJ Yeldon is supposed to be also that third down back. So I feel like have Singletary on your bench. The first few weeks, you're going to go, what the fuck? And then if you had now, if there's a lot of injuries and you got to make moves, I'm sorry. Running back depth is never ha- a bad idea. Ever. And you might have to wait that out a little bit. And that's fine, right? Yeah. I, got, I got James Conner and uh, Chris Carson ready to go. I'm just saying, like, it, it's it's a good pickup now or maybe trade for him while he might have some low value. But I believe in Devin Singletary. Florida well, Atlantic, baby. What do you think, journalistically, and I'm a retired journalist, of Mike Florio tweeting out, Zeke cut, excuse me. Uh, Ezekiel Elliott contract six for 90 million unconfirmed. I don't have that. Confir- mm-hmm. What do you think about putting out news and then saying that news is unconfirmed? Yeah, I think that's a weird thing to do, but um, this is, this is the position that we as fans and consumers have put journalists into, right? If we didn't care that whenever Woj or Schefter or Glazer or one of these people, whenever they put out an unconfirmed reports, if we didn't care, they wouldn't keep doing but it. Who, who, when do they ever put out unconfirmed reports? What I'm saying is, is, you don't think we get tweets all the time that no. are sort of like I've semi heard something. No, when Adam Schefter tweets out the Cowboys and Zeke are very close, they're hoping to get something done in the next 48 hours. That's information. But Schefter has never gone. The Cowboys and Zeke are looking at this this terms of contract. Oh, so but think, I don't have it confirmed. So you think this was someone leaking from the front office or someone leaking from Zeke's camp? No, this was, is Florio hearing something and going, I want to be the one that reported this. So I'm going to use one person's information. Mm. The, all of these reporters have information. It's who has more than one source from the team and the player who, or who has it from the player or who has it from Jerry Jones. But if you have an ancillary character and then you're going to use those numbers and then later you get to play both sides of the coin. If it ends up being around there, I'm the man, I got it. And if it ends up not, it was unconfirmed. It must've changed. Yeah. I think with, uh, with sports, because there aren't lives at stake, I think it's more fun and more okay to, to tweet out unconfirmed reports as long as you call them as such. And then you fess up. 
like a real adult human well, being. Well, what's interesting if you end about Zeke wrong. is two days ago, Charles Robinson of you of Yahoo uh, on Sunday, I guess, tweeted out, "They are really, really, really close. It's going to happen." Uh, but, uh, but and he he had another word in there too. He's like, "I'm not sure," and so it's these reporters hedging their bets. The problem is this: when Woj tweets, it's fact, and that's why it's a Woj bomb. When Schefter tweets, it's fact. Glazer's up there, too. It's the second and third team newsbreaker guys that are trying to get up to their level that are so afraid of the dark cloud that is those guys because they're so unstoppable that I don't I don't need you tweeting because, dude, my phone blew up. Everybody's hitting me up. Oh, 690, 690. Oh, Zeke, blah, blah, blah. And the thing is, is it's not done yet. This deal, we're recording it Tuesday at 3 o'clock, and I'll wait and see if my phone explodes. This might not get done. I, I just read something. It might not get done till next week. Zeke might not play this weekend. So now he's just sent off. It's just it's annoying to me because while it's not as important as news and while it's not as important as weather and all that stuff and how it impacts people's safety, at the same point, this is my fucking world. Everyone's getting paid an enormous amount of money to cover this sport and to pay and all that stuff. There are billion-dollar industries. And I would also say this. As betting starts to get legal, right, what if that changed the fucking number? There will be repercussions to this information later. When, when, when billions of dollars start really getting put into injury reports and Vegas, when this and, and the league gets involved. Oh, that hearing that Zeke is going to yes. sign today is going to shift the Cowboys line by a point and a half or whatever. It will change the line. Yeah. If it, and so I'm curious down the road how much that's going to impact those. But things. so what, what is your proposed solution then? Because there needs to be repercussions like like the the journalistic outlets that are that these guys are working for they need to have some sort of penalty box that's my thing because if you if you're willing to yeah, take you on the to risk report for two weeks yeah, no you tweets get, for two weeks yeah twitter shuts you down for a month or whatever yeah. it is there's got to be some sort of penalty box because it should be punitive they should they should be weighing the risk and reward and the right now the only the reward is hey this guy was on it first which is actually like gold in the journalistic world the risk is that some people go eh that guy's not that, that trustworthy and the next time they send something yes. out that's unconfirmed People might say, ah, this guy was lying the last time or he was full of shit last time. So that is a risk. That is a a legit risk that they're taking on. But I think people have a tendency to forget those times when Absolutely. we were wrong, just because we were bombarded by so many tweets from so and many different sources. We just want the news, baby. We just want all that. We want all of it. We love rumors. Love the rumors. Yeah. And, and uh, look, I'm not saying this that Florio, Florio should get in trouble for this because it, it might get done today. Who the hell knows? Um, I just, I just think it's there will be. I really believe with gambling. There will be a lot more repercussions to this stuff. And what's to stop you? From- because here's what I'm saying. Like, wh- I think what you're about to say. What's to stop me from a gambling conglomerate right. coming up to me and saying, I want that number. Right now, the Cowboys, I have not looked at the lines. It'll fuck me up if I look at the lines. The Cowboys are favored by three. I want Z to come back. It'll push it down. To, it'll push it up to five. Mm-hmm. I want that number. That's what I'm saying. Because these. That's what I'm saying. These billion dollar conglomerates could have tentacles everywhere. What like you, Adam Lefko? You're a guy that knows NFL players. You hang out with these guys. They know you. I they, tweeted they, that Bryce Harper was going to get a contract, and like a lot of people ran with it. The, and and guess what? It happened that day, and he got it done. Because I did have a source on the Bryce Harper contract. At the same point, I'm sitting there going. 
why don't I just do this all the time? <laughs> you could slightly move things, right? But yeah, there's it, there's there's an, a responsibility that does come along with being a person in the media. Some people take that responsibility very seriously. Some yes. are a little bit more lax, a little more loosey-goose with it. And that's, that's a problem. But that's something we've been dealing with in the age of the internet for 20 years now. But Zeke will get a deal done. So he will be playing either... He will be having a deal done this season. Do you have a source or this is just your feel for things? Oh, no. Like, my my feel for things is Zeke is either going to be good this week or next week, and I still don't think Melvin Gordon's coming back this season. Yeah. I'm getting more and more emboldened in the confidence of that stuff right now. But that's kind of where we are, man. But I just, sometimes I put on my old journalist hat and I look and I'm like, I've never seen someone tweet out information as unconfirmed. Like, you don't tweet that out. But that's just me being an old stickler. Uh, six years for 90 millions. That's 15 mil a year. Is that about where you I, expected that, it? Th- those numbers don't matter to me. Until, <laughs> until, I see, until I see the guaranteed money, that's all pretend. Yeah, it is. It's all it, this it, ethereal the knows? Yeah. Yeah, monopoly money. Uh, but I did think it was interesting. They also signed Lyle Collins, uh, which opened up some money for this year. And then Jerry came out and said, I'm running out of pie. I don't have enough pie for everybody. Well, then maybe stop signing offensive linemen and defensive linemen and linebackers when you have a quarterback, running back, and wide receiver up. But I don't know. Who am I? Um, so I, I went through everybody's run. Do you have any other thing on any of those topics that you want to talk about? Oh, yeah. We did just jump past the, the Laramie Tunsil. Yeah. Uh, when he left, it just it, it made the Miami Dolphins offensive line worse. And getting rid of a top tier left this. tackle, just in case Josh Rosen gets thrown into the fire again, you know, like he might be one of these guys that could have been really good in the right situation. You want to hear something wild? He got pummeled in Arizona last year, and he could have been great if he was in the right situation. The Dolphins had the 32nd ranked offensive line. And they lose Laramie Tunsil. With Laramie Tunsil. Right. So now they lose him. Yeah. So now they're the 36th ranked. <laughs> so Josh Rosen goes from Arizona with a coach fired in his first season with an offensive line completely depleted under attack, goes to Miami, new coach, offensive line, they trade everybody away. They get they trade his number one wide receiver and his left tackle. They're like, good luck, kid. Now, Ryan Fitzpatrick's starting. How do you think Ryan Fitzpatrick and Josh Rosen took the news? Because I feel like they took it completely different. I think Josh Rosen woke up and he, you know, had a bunch of texts from his friends that were like, dude, they just traded your top left tackle. And he's like, oh, I, I didn't realize that all of 2018 was a dream. I just got drafted. I'm playing for Arizona again. He's having like a Groundhog Day situation. And I feel like Ryan Fitzpatrick is like, I have to scramble more. You think he's excited? You need me to run around more? <laughs> oh, this is it. Guys, like, like, I don't know, man. He's got the beard. He's got the speed beard. That, speed. that beard is aerodynamic, actually. People don't know that. I just, I, I think Fitzpatrick's kind of like, you know what? This team is tanking. They might need me to be the starter for the next two years. <laughs> I'm the perfect tank quarterback. I, I think in a weird way, Fitzpatrick, like Rosen's sitting there in, like if there was hard knocks for Dolphins, Rosen's sitting there going, are you fucking kidding me, man? Like every year, like what, like, what the hell's going on? And Fitzpatrick's like, meh. We'll figure it out. Fitzpatrick like leaves the room. Fitzpatrick has settled into a really cool lane, which is like, I'm going to get you a couple of spectacular September and October performances. You know you can guarantee that I'm going to get like five to six wins if you leave me out there. I'm going to shit the bed a couple of times, but you know what? I'm always good for 14 or 15 starts if you need me. Oh. Now, if you don't need me, I'm happy to chill on the bench too and let the young kid take over. And eat hot dogs. That's a great lane. You know who the Dolphins play week one? 
Uh, God, I keep forgetting. I literally can never keep Baltimore it Ravens. Oh yeah, they're gonna get juiced. <laughs> <laughs> it's 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 unbelievable. Uh, can I also share with you my favorite Dolphins tweet of the yeah, week? Yeah, yeah, yeah. This is from Chris Syria. I think he's a media guy. Uh, so the Dolphins sent out a 2019 calendar to all their season ticket holders, right? There were 12 people featured on the calendar, obviously. Only four of them are still with the team. This is the 2019 wow. calendar. So Parker, Drake, Jones, and Harris are the only guys that are the survivors. And gone from the calendar, we got Wake, Phillip, Tankersley, Branch, McDonald, Alonzo, Tannehill, wow. Kenny Stills. That's wild. So, yeah, imagine just like in January, you're like, here's our team, baby. Here's our 12 marquee guys, and two-thirds of them are gone before week one. Speaking of media and stuff, uh, there's a big thing right now about the teams that Melvin Gordon is following on social. He's followed, like, the Niners, the Eagles, like, a few other teams. And I love how that's becoming reporting now, too. A lot of eye emojis, like, ooh. Oh, yeah. And, And then I just got a text in my group chat that says, was Melvin Gordon in Conshohocken this past weekend? I'm just going to tell you that Melvin Gordon was not in Conshohocken, Pennsylvania. <laughs> it's a really good, I, it might be an Onion type of article. You and I might have been in Conshohocken, Pennsylvania yeah. last weekend. I don't know. All right, so a few other roster notes that I got just from looking at how GMs and coaches built their roster. Number one, the Cardinals and the Dolphins have five guys on their rosters each that they claimed off waivers. This does not include other signings, which means nearly 10% of the Cardinals and Dolphins rosters got there yesterday. Think about that. There are teams like the, the Rams and the Eagles had like four guys that they cut claimed. So like they couldn't even, like they had too many guys. Meanwhile, the Dolphins and the Cardinals, they, it's like rate waivers and rookies. Those, that's a sure sign that, like, Miami, look, you're going full process, but Arizona, you have two guys in your front office that have been arrested for drunk driving, okay? And now, like, we're, the, the Cardinals were not in a rebuild. They just sucked out of nowhere. They hired a new coach and th- said, this is the guy. Claiming five guys off waivers is an insane amount of guys. I'm always fascinated by which guys need time with the playbook and which ones don't. I remember when Allen Iverson got traded to Denver like on a Thursday yeah. and he was on the team on a Friday starting. I know basketball is different than football. Yeah. Like I'm curious like with Ezekiel Elliott, you know, like is it just like all right, this time you run left, this time you run right? So like, I actually saw so because their uh, defensive coordinator um excuse me, their offensive coordinator is going to be using a very similar playbook, uh Kellen Moore, former quarterback for them. Apparently, it's Everything that Zeke's already known, which to me, everyone's like, oh, that's positive. We'll join in. I go, time out. You guys were selling me all offseason that Kellen Moore is going to bring in a new offense. <laughs> one or the you, other guys. And now you're telling me that Zeke doesn't need to learn anything new before week one. That now I'm like, I'm excited for Zeke, but I'm worried about this Dallas offense. And I'm very curious, just like what would be the hierarchy in terms of obviously needs time with the playbook and needs time with the with the offense for precision and timing. I assume a running back would be up there in terms of like exactly where to stand, exactly where to take the, uh, the handoff. I've always heard from guys I've talked to defensive lineman is the easiest. Okay. It's get the fucking quarterback. Yeah. 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 Tackle that uh, dude with the ball offensive lineman. It gets very tricky because there's a lot of pulls and traps and timing. Like you said, um, running back is actually a lot easier than wide receiver. Tight end is tough because there's blocking right secondary. It, it depends. It also depends on whether or not you were doing a system that's similar. Cause the thing that you always hear is it's different verbiage. So the words are different, but the schemes are always similar, mm-hmm. but 
quarterback is obviously the hardest, but running back should be easy. I'd like to think so. I I go back to that Bill Barnwell thing where he talks about sometimes it's tough to know uh, when you're dealing with like the secondary, you're trying to appraise a certain player in the secondary. Did he screw up or was he supposed to actually run up on the ball? And he did exactly what he was supposed to do. And he just got beat because some other guy didn't come over the top. My issue all the time with pro football focus when they they have grades out for Mm -hmm. secondary guys and the film hasn't come out yet. Right. I'm going, have you watched an NFL game? I can't even see the safeties on the screen for 90% of the game. How the fuck do you know who's responsible for what? Totally. And then I just think like in the first couple of weeks or months with Ezekiel Elliott, if there's a screw up and he's only, you know, 12 carries for 35 yards one game, is that his fault because he didn't know the plays? Is it, you know, a lack of precision? Was there a lack of trust? Was it just the game just happened to get away from them? I don't know. Like, but it's always that it's that extra level of possible internal discord when you've got a guy coming back, uh, not not there in training camp. Another round. Note: I am worried about Devontae Freeman, and the reason I'm worried about Devontae Freeman is the Atlanta Falcons kept six running backs on their roster. It's insane. Brian Hill, Edo Smith, a number of other guys, but I never want to judge too much off watching people in preseason, but I watched Devontae Freeman in preseason in week three. And I was not impressed at all. And maybe he just didn't want to get hurt. So he didn't try that hard. Yeah, he didn't hit the L2 button. But at the same point, when a team keeps six running backs, it's like when you keep four quarterbacks, you probably don't have one. Mm-hmm. You're waiting for them all. So I'm a little bit worried about Devontae Freeman. Also, I'm a little bit selfish because I have him on my LFGL team and my other fantasy league. And I passed on Leonard Fournette. And whoa, big offseason. I can say it because it happened a week ago. Our own Ty Dunn put out this article about Leonard Fournette locking himself in a Wyoming hotel for like a month and just training and feeding off of the doubts that people had of him last year. And I had Leonard Fournette last year. So I feel like he's like channeling me. But it's a it's a little bit of that. But I am a little bit worried about Devonta Freeman just Keeping that many running backs just makes me worried that they have doubts about him. When you say Leonard Fournette was in a Wyoming hotel, we've all worked out in a hotel gym. It's like two treadmills oh, no, and three he, kettlebells. There, there I'm, a, kidding, yeah. I'm kidding. <laughs> he went to a facility with the Wyoming I know, team. I know, I know. Um, okay, another thing that I saw just from looking at rosters, the Rams are really not deep. And I mentioned this before. Number one, they have nine rookies on their team. And you need to have nine rookies on your team when you have an Aaron Donald getting his contract, Todd Gurley, Andrew Whitworth, uh, Marcus Peters, Akib Tlaib, Eric Weddle. They are so shallow that I'm telling you, man, like I look at their roster and they need like their number one backup at corner, both safeties position, outside linebacker and middle linebacker is a rookie and no stackle. So if you lose any of those positions, you got some kid in there. Mm-hmm. Um, also, you still have Aaron Donald as defensive player of the year, though, despite that, that they might like double. I have Aaron, I have Miles Garrett. Miles Garrett. Right. But I, I mean, Aaron Donald's one or two. Aaron Donald is unblockable. It doesn't matter. But my thing is, is it's great to have young guys for the end of the year if they can get a lot of experience. But if they lose a corner, a safety They're relying on Clay Matthews at outside linebacker, and I'm letting you know that Clay Matthews did not look that great last year anyway. Uh, I have a lot of questions right now about the Rams if they get injured. And remember what I told you? They were the healthiest team in the NFL the last three years. Unsustainable. So 
I've, I picked the Rams, and they're locked in. But the way that it gets screwed up for me and the Seahawks is if the Rams start getting bit by the injury bugs, that's when it happens. So these are things that I'm going to keep track of during the year. If I start seeing the injuries on the Rams, I am going to sell a lot sooner than other people just because of all the things lining up right now, man. Well, injuries, uh, there's different kinds of injuries and different severity levels of injury. Losing Todd Gurley and Cooper Cup in the Super Bowl. We don't know exactly what was going on with Todd Gurley, sure. but those, even if it's just those two injuries, that's so massive in terms of what you were planning on doing offensively. If you have six injuries to guys I've never heard of, I feel like that's not nearly as bad as losing yeah. Cooper Cup and Todd Gurley. See, what's interesting is I look at the opposite. The only position in which there's a huge drop-off, uh, like statistically, is quarterback. C.J. Anderson was actually outperforming Todd Gurley at the end of the year last year. But could Todd Gurley have been even better if yeah, he'd been in there in sure, September sure. form? Who knows? I just, I look at with 53 men on a roster, I look at mass amounts of injuries as more scary just because of what you were talking before. When I get someone injured, I bring in a new person, and now they have to get acclimated. So it creates all of this. And now um, it, my issues are mainly with the Rams' defense. That's where I get concerned about with their depth. Uh, in terms of other teams, Detroit only kept seven defensive linemen, which is like fewest in the league, which I'm like – Really scary, too, when you factor in that a lot of them have injury problems heading into this season. Uh, you look at Mike Daniels. He had a foot problem that was so scary that the Packers felt comfortable leaving. Deshaun Hand uh, had a left arm injury. Trey Flowers coming off all-season shoulder injury. And they only kept seven. They just lost Austin Bryant to the IR. Opposite, David, I have talked on this podcast for a long time about Minnesota having very shallow D-line. They kept 10 D linemen this year. Very happy for Minnesota. <laughs> um, I am now going to talk and preview Packers Bears. I'm going to, this is my first game breakdown game pick of the year. Your gut instinct, having not done any research whatsoever, game is in Chicago. Make a pick, go. I'm going Bears. Okay. <laughs> you put me on the spot. That's my answer. That's good. So I'm going to do my breakdown. David, if there's any nuggets that you go, that's interesting. Say so. Okay. I looked up Trubisky. I wanted to see how he does uh, in situations like this. So game is in Chicago. Trubisky at home, 23 touchdowns to 10 interceptions on the road, 8 to 9. So just like Jared Goff, a lot worse on the road, but he's at home, should be good for Trubisky. Hold on, though. You said 23 to 10, then 8 to 9. So if he's actually throwing fewer interceptions and far fewer touchdowns, that me, that implies to me he's just doing different scheme stuff, that he's just throwing a lot, like just just not going for as much, right? Like The, the same number I of turnovers. I can't confirm that or not. Oh, okay. I don't want to extrapolate that too much. I understand um, the ratio is different, but the, the sheer number of turnovers is about the same. Yes. Uh so September, uh, Trubisky uh, in September is 3-1 and one with a quarterback rating over 100. The other three months in which the Bears play, his quarterback rating is in the 80s. So last year started off very strong. We'll see if that continues. Not enough of a sample size to bet on. He is 3-2 and two in night games with a 5-8 to eight touchdown interception ratio, and he is 1-2 against the Packers. Just little things to be interested in. Mm -hmm. Green Bay has owned this rivalry lately, winning 15 of the last 18 games against Chicago since 2010. Um, I the, the thing that's most interesting to me is in the NFL season opener, the home team, they've been doing it for 17 years. 
The home team is 14 and three straight up. So in the NFL season opener that happens on this Thursday night to kick off the year, the home team is 14 and three. Last time there was a loss, your Patriots lost to the Chiefs when Kareem Hunt exploded I on the scene. I remember it well. Two or three years ago. Um, when the Packers are on offense is where I have the most questions. I don't know what this LaFleur offense is going to be like with Aaron Rodgers. I don't know what they haven't shown. I don't know what it's going to be new. Bears defense, no Vic Fangio. A lot of questions on both sides of the ball there, but I have to imagine the Bears have almost every single guy back from last year. They swapped out Adrian Amos for HaHa Clinton Dix. Will Aaron Rodgers attack Clinton Dix, his former teammate with Green Bay? Um, I think that the Packers O-line will do well against the Bears defensive line, but this is the Bears defense, and when you have a new offensive coordinator and a new coach for the Packers, my gut feeling is that Matt LaFleur might be a little overwhelmed on the sideline. I can't speak to the emotions that they're going to have on the sidelines. I just get that feeling. This is like that first game uh, in a World Cup. Did you know that the host country always plays in the first game of every World Cup and they have never lost mm-hmm. in any World Cup? Whether it's like Brazil hosting or South Africa hosting, the host team has never actually lost the first team. I feel like Bears hosting Packers for the 100th season of the NFL yeah. just feels like this momentous occasion and Chicago just can't like let I their said, home guys season down. Season over, 14-3 and three to the home team. I think the Bears have a slightly better defense and the Packers have a slightly better offense. So and the as Bears we talked about, offense, let me finish real yeah. quick. The Bears offense, the one thing that I really am paying attention to right now from a roster perspective is the Green Bay Packers are so decimated at linebacker. Oren Burks tore his pec in the preseason. Uh, they lost Curtis Bolton. They just traded for B.J. Goodson from the Giants. Like, they just made that trade two days ago, and he's starting next to Blake Martinez. So I look at the Packers' defense, and they they already released Mike Daniels earlier this offseason, and I'm going, is there a worse team in the NFL to face with a depleted linebacking core than the Bears? David Montgomery, Tariq Cohen, lots of motion. The Bears have Cordaro Patterson all over the place. Then you have Anthony Miller that can do a lot of sweeps. Taylor Gabriel. This is a Bears offense that has been hearing all offseason about how they are going to be taking a step back and questions about Trubisky. I think they are going to come out there and do a ton of sweeps, a ton of motion, and confuse the hell out of a linebacker that just got to the Packers a day ago. Allen Robinson has a huge size advantage on Jair Alexander, the corner. Really, my biggest question for the Bears is Eddie Pinero, because <laughs> it's going to come down to the kicker. It always does. The Bears are favored by three. I am actually going to pick the Bears to cover this one 24-20. to 20. I just think that Aaron Rodgers is going to make plays. It's going to be close. But I think that the Bears get it done because they're at home. And I think that they're able uh, to, to handle the spread with three. I got them at 24-20. to 20. That's such an NFC North score. 24-20, 21-17. Just yes. feels like it's like it, it's just like two teams that are just crashing into each other, and one one team wins it by uh, you know a missed field goal at the end of the second quarter ends up mat- mattering at the end. So we'll wait and see what Warren Sharp has to say about my pick when he gets in here. Uh, we are going to be recording that on Thursday. It's going to come out Friday. Uh, I talked to him today for like twenty minutes and 
We are both so excited to like really dive into all the lines and all the nuggets that he has. I, I see guys, the gambling show this year as an evolution of what we've done before. I think the last few years, it's been a lot of fun and uh, me and Sims competing this year. I really see it as Warren making us all a lot smarter. Warren making us a lot of money. Me doing my same old gut bet stuff and Warren going, hey, I'm a little bit worried about this, this, and this. And uh, we're going to be betting. I'm going to be making my five super contest picks that come out every Friday if you guys want to align with that because I, I know, look, We've heard this from Crack, and I'm gonna I'm gonna call Crack live and and give him my proxy bets and get his raw reactions right away from who I'm taking. You think he'll just like start laughing at? Oh, he point? might be like, I'm actually going opposite on those two, <laughs> which which could be a lot of fun. And then I'm hoping to announce to you guys next week, not even announce, have the dude in here next week of who it's gonna be uh, to recap week one and all that. It should be a blast. But to kind of get back to where I was in the very beginning, ditch the play book comes out Wednesday at 11. It's going to be with Muhammad Sanu, how many quarterbacks he can throw it further than. If you see the tweet, my tweet when I put it out, respond to what was it again? It was, uh, I like this episode so much that. I love this episode so much that, and the funniest ones are getting retweeted. 33%, you are the shit. Ezel, my guy Vincent with the art. Appreciate you guys. Ingber, you're the fucking man. Thank you so much for your hard work on Ditch the Playbook. Oh, no problem. Uh, so excited for them to come out. Week two, monster. Week four, monster. Very excited for you guys to see those episodes. Until then, for Ingber, uh, if you have a sharp knife in the kitchen, it does what you want it to do. If you have a dull knife, it does what it wants to do. That's so good. I am the L-E-F-K-O-E man, and we will holla, holla, holla at you later. Enjoy the game Thursday night, guys. See ya.